0: Welcome back to the Ramble Room. I know it's been a while. Some of us are kind of busy trying to win an election. Be that as it may, we gathered a few folks together. And it's kind of interesting as I look around the room, everybody in here was printed in this issue, the July issue of the Wyoming Conservative Chronicle. And if you don't get the Wyoming Conservative Chronicle, shame on you, you need to go to WyomingConservativeChronicle.com and you need to subscribe. And when you subscribe, you will get to read articles by Dr. Garrett Lindemann.
1: Hi, Ken. How are the, you?
0: Good to see you. You will get to read articles by your other illustrious host from Cowboy State Politics, David Iverson. The most popular conservative podcast in the state of Wyoming and the second best. Well, Hi, Ken. Why do you think we're the best? I mean, we already got we got you, and then we throw the rest of us on top of it. How could it be anything? Well, how best?
2: could it be anything less? Yes, but it's true. The program is the most listened to political podcast in the state of Wyoming.
0: Congratulations! You work your tail off on that. Thank and you. Sure, you've, you've earned every bit of it.
3: To which, on one can only say, "Thank God." Yes.
2: Thank <laughs> the Lord.
0: And that voice, some of you may recognize as the unflappable Charlie Cole, historian, Republican conservative thinker and i'll bet david if you asked charlie what a conservative is he could answer without having to consult notes
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and i wouldn't wouldn't have to be accused of giving him the questions ahead of time
0: (laughs) that's a that's a back alley story for rubbish you know i think
2: only democrats do that i think so maybe Mm. their candidates should perform better
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe so, Charlie, give us a little history lesson.
3: Okay, doke. Yeah, I, I think we're uh, all here today to talk about, uh, generically talk about science. And it is kind of a timely subject in the sense that you hear all this being bandied about by the left incessantly. I mean, we've got two generations now, the Xers and the Millennials, who have been thoroughly indoctrinated to believe the science of what they now call human-induced global climate change. Uh, it's really a quasi-religion, as a lot of this stuff has been, but uh, it becomes very difficult to speak intelligently with them about it because they, they, they just know that this is so. Um, we'll return to that in a minute, but I wanted to trace down, in case anybody thinks that uh, misusing or abusing science is new, Let's walk down memory lane a little bit. Um, The Piltdown Man, P-I-L-T-D-O-W-N, Piltdown Man, was an early 20th century fraud designed to prove Charles Darwin's hypothesized jump in the species from ape to human. In 1912, a section of a human-like skull had been found near the Piltdown Hamlets in England. The remains contained a jawbone of an orangutan, which, as it later turned out, had been fraudulently joined to the cranium of a human. The Piltdown hoax generated widespread scientific support among evolutionists and was accepted as scientifically valid for over 40 years, until it was irrefutably exposed as a complete forgery. During that time over 500 doctoral dissertations were written claiming that this find had irrefutably proven Darwin's theory. Also in the 20th century, the science of eugenics was all the rage in the United States and Europe. It promised a way of cleansing the human species of weeds, such as mentally defective people, alcoholics, chronic criminals, and other undesirables from society's gene pool. Sociologists in England, including the noted British playwright George Bernard Shaw, encouraged chemists to invent a gas, a deadly but painless gas, to use on those who, by his word, quote, whose lives were of no use to society and thus probably of no use to themselves, end quote. The Nazis did come up with such a gas, Zyklon B, which was used in their six death camps to... uh, as they put it, during the war crime war crime tribunals, humanely put an end to useless lives. Science in action. Uh, there's more from the Nazi era, like the Ananairban Institute with their caves in B- Bavaria and all that. That that's we could go into that later. That was another another total ha- uh, uh, fraud. Um, there were they they pushed also in the 1930s uh, <laughs> the a theory by. Uh, pseudoscientist Hans Herbiger was called the Global Ice Theory. It theorized that ice was the basic element of all cosmic events and had controlled the creation of the universe. The Nazis taught this as science in their schools and claimed it was superior to theories such as Einstein's theory of relativity. Uh, Einstein, after all, was, was a Jew and thus he was just a heretic. And then there was the bogus, as it turned out deadly, postulations by Soviet pseudo-biologist Trafim Lysenko, who theorized that the environment, not genetics, shaped plants and animals. Thus, he reasoned, they could be remade by changing their surrounding environment. He began re-engineering plants to grow at various times of the year, including even grain in Siberia, despite the horrific cold. Stalin loved this idea and promoted Lysenko to head of Soviet agriculture, a move which resulted in murderous famines due to grain shortages. Attempts at injecting actual scientific facts into the agricultural arena resulted in any skeptics being arrested and, as in the case of Soviet botanist Nikolai Vavilov, murdered. Today, we see a similar phenomenon with so-called transgenderism, which like Lusenko's anti-scientific nonsense is being loudly and radically promoted as being based on science. Anyone disputing this is already being subjected to ridicule, mocking, and being ostracized. One wonders how long until we reach the level of dealing with such non-conformity as Stalin did. About 50 years ago, Climate scientists posited that the Earth was going to be destroyed by a coming new ice age. This was followed by a counterclaim that, no, what we should fear is the Earth virtually burning up due to global warming. When those outrageous claims failed to materialize, the pseudoscientists of the new age changed the terminology yet again. Now, claim that the Earth is in jeopardy due to human-induced global climate change. All their research is based not on direct scientific observation, but on computer modeling. I believe that a genuine scientific debate would show this to be nothing but alarmist alarmism fine-tuned under the guise of science to exert control over nations and their populations. Um, we could go into several more examples, but I want to fast-forward real quick. Uh, to the one that's all over the headlines of the paper today. Uh, it's the never-ending debate about abortion. Anyone who has spent 10 minutes examining the real medical science involved in this matter knows full well what sophisticated advanced three-dimensional sonogram technology proves as to the life in a woman's womb being a developing human being with its own separate Identif- identifiable DNA. Even the infamous abortion doctor Bernard Nathanson, uh, who performed, by the way, thousands and thousands of abortions, finally saw the truth as he glanced at a screen showing during an abortion showing by sonogram the images of the baby he was about to abort. He broke into a sweat, dropped his abortion instruments on the floor, and screamed, it's a person, And yet, the lunatics of the radical abortion on demand movement continue to scream loudly that it should be a woman's right to terminate her pregnancy at any time, right up to the moment of birth, despite what scientific advancement has proven beyond a scintilla of doubt. Of course, complicit in all this perversion of science is the mainstream media. Columnist Laura Hollis uh, has correctly noted, quote, The left can create the most inflammatory and absurd accusations, and our media believes, repeats, and amplifies them, fueling fear in the electorate and shameless power grabs by Democrats. When those accusations are subsequently proven false, there are no repercussions for the liars or their media mouthpieces. Uh, On the subject of the climate change stuff, uh, I'd like to recommend to folks, I've got four books here. I'll read the titles of them later. They're they're all written by real scientists with real degrees in, you know, I don't know, semi-relative things like having a Ph.D. in physics with a specialty of thermodynamics. Well, uh, and also, Kevin Sorbo has done some really good work. Uh, there are two DVDs available on the website, and the website is Climate Hustle Two. That's one word, climate hustle, the numeral two.com. You can get on there the first one they did in 2016 and then the, the recent one they've just uh, announced and they put together. I watched it, and there were no fewer than 20 genuine, professional, peer reviewed, publishing scientists who go through a litany of why this is just nonsense. Even if we take their I don't know, arguendo, as the lawyers say, even if we take their their hypothesis as valid, you uh, have to ask, why can't it be tested? Every time someone... De- the Los Angeles Times did a really neat thing about 12 years ago. I remember seeing something flashing across the noon screen where they said, the Los Angeles Times will no longer publish opinion articles uh, from climate skeptics. Oh. So in other words, if you dare ask for the actual scientific method to be followed, well, you're, you're just a, you're a denier. You're, 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 this, is, this is a coming holocaust, and you're the equivalent of a holocaust denier. I think it's time for our national debate. Interestingly, of all people, you'll never guess who actually held one in his country. Because they decided, wait a minute, all this stuff we're hearing out of the West. Vladimir Putin called a conference in 2004 on the subject of global climate change. And he had a couple of the heavy hitters from England that came over, from the IPCC and, and others. And, and he had some, some Russian physicists on the other side just asking questions. Well, the bottom line was – and Putin later, his the, the guy that he charged putting it together, uh, Ilyanov was his name, he said what Putin wanted to do is there was so much falderall in the West over this. Putin said, you know, we got to find out if this stuff is real, if there's something we ought to really be worried about. So he called this conference, and it ended – when the British the main British guy just threw up his hands headed for a cab and flew back to London that was the end of the debate so to speak so I I contacted uh, our one of our dear senators John Barrasso about six or seven years ago I think he at the time the republicans had the senate and he was the chairman of the Senate Energy and whatever the, I forget the committee title, full title, but it's the one dealing with energy, environment, et cetera. And I said, "Dear Senator, don't you think it's time, in the interest of I don't know, our society, rather than to let these people just bray on about this?" And because I said to him in a letter, "If this is allowed to continue, you're going to see if they ever get the chance, you're going to see some really off-the-wall stuff headed our way." as in what we see right now well i got a nice friendly uh letter back from one of those dear friend letters back from Rosso saying well thank you for contacting me and then he had something to say about something completely off the subject so that was the end of that one but i think it's pastime, if and Really, we have a unique opportunity because those two generations I was talking about before, they have been steeped in the belief that science is the answer to everything. Okay. Well, how about we discover what the actual science is? You see a lot of these younger pro-life people running around the demonstrations today. You know why? Because they've seen the sonograms. They've seen the evidence and they've listened to guys like Nathanson who said, I was wrong. That is a life in there. So we're crazy, I think, if we don't push for this, because I'm not afraid what it'll show. Transgenderism? Great. Let's, let's put biology on one side and their psychology on the other and see who comes out making more sense. We can't continue to let the Democrat Party and their rhino enablers— what I love what Harriet Hageman calls them, the uniparty. We can't let that uniparty just drift down the road because look at what we're seeing now. They are intentionally destroying the energy production segment of this economy. You want to know what's causing all the inflation? It all started right then and right there. And right now, even though NASA has come around a little bit, look at some of the executive orders that Biden has signed. He is charging a lot of these bureaucratic agencies to come up with an environmental game plan for to seek environmental justice. See, this is just about to go over the precipice, right into the well, you know. So anyway, that's I say all that to have said this. This has been this has been going on for a long, long time. Uh, I think I cited in one of my articles in the Chronicle. I started out with a lead quote from. 1922 in Norway a hundred years ago where they said basically, oh oh my god the pretty soon the coasts are all going to be just as Al Gore said you know as recently as 2008 all the coastal cities are going to be underwater. what are we going to do? well so even if we take their hypothesis and say that, oh yeah, you know green energy, that's great. Why do we have to throw away something we know works in order to maybe hope, sort of, that what they're suggesting is right and that it'll work? Electric vehicles, the prosecution rests. These people don't even know where the electricity comes from to run the electrical vehicles. So the prosecution rests on count 463 of the indictment, Your Honor.
0: I was thinking as you were speaking... About the history of man and man always thinking more highly of himself than he ought. He has sought from the beginning to put himself in the position of God and think that he can control more than he can. I remember back in the early 80s, I went down to Fort Jackson, South Carolina to basic training. And for the first time in my life, I went for a period of about six months without ever having been out of sight of a building. That was completely alien to me, and it has kind of made me think about these people who have never been anywhere where everything they look at hasn't been shaped and sculpted by mankind. And so they begin to believe then that man has effectively destroyed the planet, that he has completely taken it over and reshaped it and controls it. When the fact of the matter is, if you stayed awake while you were flying over flyover country, you might notice there's a lot of land that is relatively untouched. And if you live in a place as we do, where you can get up into the wilderness and be surrounded by nothing effectively touched by man, you begin to realize fairly quickly that this planet is a big thing. And this planet is a wild thing. They talk all the time about creatures found underneath the ocean that we didn't even know existed. Some tsunami comes up and washes some flubber thing up on the shore. well, now, we're all flabbergasted at what we didn't know.
3: Well now on PBS they're claiming some of those dinosaurs were gen- transgendered dinosaurs now. I'm not kidding. Well, no, I'm sure they were.
0: I, I have seen <laughs> horny livestock do things that most of us would consider inappropriate. That that doesn't necessarily verify that in in my mind. But my point is simply this, that for man to even think that we could do this to this planet is a lack of perspective on just how big and wild this planet is and how powerful God is.
1: I've always felt that the, the climate change fanatics are about controlling controlling the whole population, controlling the world. Uh, and by that I mean man. And so so in my view, it becomes an argument about man surviving as the Earth goes through its changes. Because if we look at it, 99% of the species that have roamed the Earth are now extinct. I have no doubt at some point in time man's going to become extinct. And if you look at the, Earth's, the calendar of the Earth based on a year-long calendar, Man comes in at about like five minutes before midnight. That's how little time we have spent on the Earth, and I believe in I, I believe in stewardship of the Earth and the Earth's resources, but I and I also believe in using those correctly, but I don't believe in let's go crazy and let's try and make people go back to horse and buggy days or even before then, because that's what. These climate fanatics want. They want to reduce the population. They want to move us away from where we are back to rocks and sticks, and then they'll you know call a stick and a rock and a salt rock and a salt stick.
0: And there is on top of that this elitist idea. These people speaking at these climate conventions all around the planet, flying around in private jets, right. There is I've got mine as long as I have mine. Let them eat cake. We see the same thing with the elitists in Washington. We see the same thing with the elitists in Cheyenne. Mm -hmm. There are people that think their poo just doesn't stink and that normal rules don't apply to them. And you're right, Garrett. It is about control. And it's not about saving the planet. It's not about science. They have no interest in honestly pursuing those things. It is about gaining control.
2: I think we ought to accept their premise. I think that we should just accept the premise that uh, CO2 is a uh, greenhouse gas and that it is uh, it's something that we should, we should pay attention to. And, you know, we already know that the amount of CO2 that's produced uh, by one of our coal-fired power plants here in Wyoming, I mean, they really don't produce that much. In fact, you could have, you know, probably uh, 40 to 80 acres of trees that would handle the CO2 coming from one of our coal-fired power plants. A while ago, I did an episode, and I figured out all the math behind it. And, I mean, it's really shocking when you get down to it. But if we just accept the premise that CO2 is a, uh, is a greenhouse gas and that it increases the likelihood that the climate is going to change, uh, then we should look for the largest CO2 producer on the planet. And, and that's not cars, by the way. It's things like volcanoes. And actually, the largest producer of CO2 is forest fires. And we know who is in charge, what what causes most forest fires, don't we? Lightning. If you look at the West, except for California, because, you know, their forest fires, it's just because they think, yep, they have to save every tree and not log. But the vast majority of forest fires are caused by lightning. And gentlemen, do you know who's in charge of lightning? God. Isn't so it? God is in Isn't
3: charge. It, you mean the Department of Energy is not in charge? No,
2: no, God is ultimately in charge of climate change. If we accept their premise that CO2 is a uh, is a gas that we ought to and if he, keep
3: an eye on. If he were God, can you blame him? <laughs> well, no.
2: No, if I were God, I'd probably exterminate this whole place. Well, he will.
3: Well, the whole CO2 debate though, I find extremely ex- uh, exasperating because uh one of these books that I'm going to recommend people read, uh, actually, it's one. It was. Uh, it, it's a it's a compilation of a number of articles, all by genuine scientists, uh, Dr. Tim Ball and some of the others, and it's called "Slaying the Dragon: The Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory." This these fellows right here take that hypothesis that David was talking about and tear it to absolute shreds. But again, notice uh, if if we don't get some kind of sanity wrapped into this, John Kerry, the current climate czar, I believe is his title, when the Biden administration, I forget the forum, but they they, they reached agreement that, yes, we need to be carbon neutral by 2055 or some whatever. And John Kerry, that wasn't enough for him. He got on the public air, uh, airwaves and said, well, that's a good start, but we won't really get home, so to speak, until we, his words, have taken all the CO2 out of the atmosphere. Now, even, <laughs> even someone who is objectively in the eighth grade in science will look at that and say, well, what would happen to all the plant life on Earth if that were to be the case? They'd have no weed left.
1: We have no weed left.
3: Well, that's exactly
2: my point, Charlie, <laughs> that one tree—I do remember this part of the math in that from that episode—one tree will take care of an entire pound of CO2 in a given year, and the amount of CO2 that's produced by your vehicle or the coal power plant that I mentioned earlier is far less—no, it's not one pound, it's 40 pounds, excuse me, 40 pounds per year— um, so the amount of CO2 that's produced by that one coal-fired power plant or your car or whatever, whatever thing you want to do that creates CO2 is infinitesimal compared
1: to the amount of CO2 that one tree will take care of. Well, as our friend Brett Bien likes to say, it's plant food. I mean, as you pointed out, Charlie, plants need it. Um, but you know, maybe maybe we're
2: we're engaging in the classic conservative mistake here, gentlemen. That, that the goal of climate change is not to prove that it is actually happening. The goal of climate change is control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And it, has, it really has very little to do with the climate. That's just That's just the vehicle.
3: But again, that's the vehicle. And the ve- what I'm suggesting is we have to find a way to tear the vehicle to shreds to convince people who have actually started taking this seriously. That's what scares me, that there are so many people that actually believe this stuff and they're willing to support all manner of craziness in order to achieve what they're being told that's the scary part to me
2: well it's uh, like you alluded to you know we're not we're not teaching science any longer you know we're teaching religion and you know religion by definition is believing something that you can't prove scientifically through the scientific method
1: and you know i mean it's that the it exactly fits the definition. Well, but science is also about finding the truth, and that's evolving. As you find out more, you have more questions, and you search them, and you do it unbiasedly. They're doing it biasedly. They're making crap up.
2: Oh, fantasy, Garrett. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you know about science anyway? <laughs> what do I know about science anyway? I know nothing. I know nothing.
1: But, uh, Charlie, I mean, it's not just its just not climate change, and you alluded to it in your opening comments. It's transgenderism. It's covid it's everything. I mean, people can look at transgenderism and go, oh, that's not going to hurt me. I can go along and do it. The problem is, is, is it's dividing the population. And that's part of what the Democrats want to do is divide the population and say, oh, your special group here, you special group there. You know, come over here into our arms and we'll help you.
0: Where's President
3: when we need him? This is why I talked to him just the other day. He's totally on board with us on he all is. this, by the way, yeah. surprisingly. No. Uh You've studied a lot of science, correct? A little bit, yeah. Uh, Let me just throw a term out and then have you react to it. Settled science. (laughs) Good reaction. Good reaction. Because it seems to me that science is something that really is never settled.
1: Well, we can't even settle on the actual proof that the number pi does not repeat that's so what we do what do we do every time we get a new supercomputer we check pi and there's some other constants we check because we want to make sure and i don't i don't know how many digits they're out but yeah pi does not repeat
2: well the the, the scientific method
1: i mean the whole point is to
2: disprove your theory a, a theory well, is a ha- hypothesis that happens to fit the facts and if you're a scientist correct me if i'm wrong garrett but your whole objective is to disprove the theory that you've come up with, and thereby proving it to be true. So when we say that science is settled, I mean, I mean it's completely contradictory. It's
1: maddening.
0: If if science is settled, then why do we still teach it? Right.
2: Fal-
3: falsifiability. Done,
1: right? Falsifiability. And, and, and what's interesting about this is, is is that a lot of scientists through time have falsified stuff. You talked about Pilkin Down, man. I mean, that's just that's just an example of it. Uh there's other examples of it and it's sort of rampant in some in some areas of science, one being the whole climate change stuff. I wanted but, to use a different word there, but, I'll but say you're
3: stuff. you're actually absolutely right when you say that this isn't just about climate change. This isn't about that phony science. It's about their misuse of things and they call it science. That's what's maddening to me, is that
1: it's the new Abenar.
3: Well, and they have filtered this all the way down, obviously through the schools. That's that's one of their vehicles, yeah, yep. to getting uh, this control that they want. So, the the question remains: if so many young people have now been, I'll use the word indoctrinated, to believe this stuff unquestioningly, then it seems to me we have to go back and piece by piece, kick the slats out of it. I mean, I saw an interview, or I guess I heard it on a conservative uh, radio show one time. This lady had called in, and she was just in tears. And and, and she said, you know, I don't know what else, to, I don't know who to turn to here, because my daughter is now, she just turned 34, and I'm kind of waiting on grandkids. And she has told me, no, Mom, I'm not going to bring a human being into this world to see it destroyed by the climate. That's where we are.
1: Well, Ken has a friend that is older than we are. That's a climate change fanatic. Yeah, and um, the the play- I wouldn't
0: say necessarily he's a fanatic. He's a, he he, but he's he's completely convinced.
1: He's compl- He's convinced. Okay, so it's just not you know two generations. It's three generations of people.
0: And he's he's a wise man. He's very well educated as well, and he has bought into the quote unquote science.
2: How could you possibly be somebody who is fluent in logic and be educated and believe in, well, again, it's a religion, so a of religion? course you get, you get yeah. convinced of it. And, but, I, but I think that the, the essential point here is if you, you know, Charlie, you're a historian. You know, if I ask you the question of how did the Holocaust happen, one of your answers would most likely be, because we were able, they were able to convince people of things that are not true. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you can, if you can convince people that men can become women and women can become men, and that men can get pregnant, well, then you can convince them of anything. And two and two are five. Right.
1: And war is peace, and freedom is slavery. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: <But> George. <laughs> yes.
0: George. By George. When did you <laughs> step but,
1: in? But the problem, Dave, is you cannot. You, Having logic and being educated are two different things. Uh, well, I agree. You know, they—they they, you don't need to be educated and have logic. You don't need to have logic to be educated. And I—I mm. I don't I, know. I might—I might disagree with you on that,
2: because it I think by definition, on the
0: definition of education. You yeah, choose.
2: let's put it as higher education. Well, like and you, I don't even—I don't even think that. I mean, if you're—if you're a thinking individual, and you—you you can follow the math that says that two plus two
1: equals four. I mean, but now you have logic. Well, right, that's what I'm saying. But but and, and you have an education degree, I and mean, they're not mutually exclusive. But I know a lot of people. I know a lot of PhDs that have that are educated and have PhDs ah, I see in where you, science. I see, where, I see where you're going. Your science. And, right. I'm and, with you now. You know, as an example, there was a gal that I worked with at Roche twenty years ago, and she had that first Chevy Volt. And I said to her, I said, "So why do you have that?" And she said. Well, because I don't want, you know, CO2 here in California. right? Because I, I'm trying to save the climate. And I said, so, you know, how do you power it? She goes, I go home and plug it in. Well, <laughs> and this is a PhD in science. And I say, where does that power come from? She goes, oh, the wall. <laughs> and I, no, it's being pulled from Wyoming, so you're just not polluting here. You're polluting back in my home state, you know.
3: Well, permit me on that score to quote Calvin Coolidge, who is still one of my...
0: He was silent.
3: There's absolute favorite of all times. He said presciently, the world is full of educated derelicts. Uh, so, and I don't know if you guys uh, listen to SM uh, radio at all. There's a guy on there named Andrew Wilkow. He's very, very, very good, yeah. very sharp guy. And uh, he... Uh, he points out all the time that, you know, your Ph.D. from Cornell does not trump my ability to think. Right. And he says he takes him on all the time. And he says, I get slandered routinely for having a, a journalism degree out of Florida. And I don't have a law degree out of Harvard and all this of that kind of stuff. But the danger that I see, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Holocaust is but one example of that. If you get people to, people have, I saw an interview one time, uh, it's on a a, uh, BBC, of all things, uh, documentary on DVD, it was pretty well done, it was about the Nazis, I'm sorry, it was about Auschwitz, and they asked this German uh, guy who had been an SS infantryman during the war, and he admitted to having shot Jews and, you know, stuff them into and to pits et cetera and they said well but i understand from what you've said that you know the jews you you think they cheated your family out of part of your farm et cetera. but what did these women and children that you were shooting have to do with what happened to your family 20 years before that and he said nothing but for us, they were Jews. That's all that had to happen. There Speaking was. of
2: which, did you guys see in—it was printed in the Pravda on the Platte, of all places, that there was—recently, there was a 93-year-old SS mm-hmm. um, soldier that they captured, and they just convicted him again. The same—in in parts of the article, there was quotations, just like you were mentioning, Charlie— you know well why did you do that well because
3: they were Jews mm-hmm. once you convince someone from, and this is why they get them small yeah hitler youth once once that and again it drives me absolutely around the bend to hear them say left wing and right wing communism fascism look same coin two different sides because where do you think where do you think the germans learned how to do death camps <laughs> from the soviets when they concluded their agreement in 1939, uh, they, were, they, were, they became bosom buddies. And the Gestapo was being trained by the Soviet NKVD on torture methods, et cetera. The Germans, all they did is they took all that information back to Germany. And they said, well, we can do it better than that. Well, yeah. and, it's and they did, technically.
2: And I think a, a good historical point on that, Charlie, is it didn't start out that way. No, It started out, well, we have to, we have to get all of, the, all of the Jews out of Germany. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, all of the trains coming out of Germany were being used to ship Jews out of the country. And, you know, when that became, you know... Uh,
3: unfeasible.
2: Unfeasible. <laughs>
3: expensive and cumbersome.
2: Uh, yeah, expensive and cumbersome. Well, they said, well, this is just too much work. We'll just kill them.
3: But before any of that could happen, you had to convince people... That exactly. the Jews were this uh, subspecies, they 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 don't they they don't have a loyalty to any nation. They travel around and just look how many of them are lawyers, look how many of them are doctors, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, the reason that a lot of Germans bought it was was after the stock market crash, the depo- the the economy in Germany went. Right to the toilet, and and they were ready to listen to anybody who says, "Okay, I'm gonna get us out of this."
1: Yeah. Well, so we need to back up. You brought it up in the beginning of your in your uh, opening points, and that's social Darwinism. Darwinism, mm-hmm. and that was part of what Hitler did and used. Yep. You know, you don't look like me, you don't talk to like me, everything else, so you're different, and therefore you're not a good German. Now you move on to people like Margaret Sanger, and she used social Darwinism. As did a lot of other people to do things like build Planned Parenthood. And now there be, people are being told that that is reproductive health care. There's no reproduction in that health care. <laughs> it's not health care. No, it's not. You know, people die from abortions, people lose their ability to Every reproduce. Every abortion, abortion
0: kills somebody.
1: Well, I mean, look, like the mother. Okay, the mother. Yes, li- yeah, I know, but yeah, okay. we lose, we, even we lose, there,
0: we tend to lose sight of what's actually happening. Right. Oh, well, I agree. Well, just look at the
2: language that they use. Yeah. You know, reproductive health care. And just Mm -hmm. just break it down.
0: Freedom is slavery.
2: Well, I mean, yes, you're exactly right, Ken. But there's nothing reproductive about an abortion. I mean, it's exactly the opposite. And so, I mean, I think that that goes to to Charlie's point, that all of this is about one single religion, and that religion happens to be control. And so I, I think a good point for us to end this discussion on, guys, is... What does all of that mean right now? I mean, what does it say about the time that we're living in?
0: Who's who's next? Those of you that have listened to Charlie very long, and Charlie's going to pick up on this, have give, been giving us stern warnings that history repeats itself. So we had the Jews, most recently. Who's next, Charlie? Well, but but you and me, Jews, brother, with the Jews after the Jews,
1: you had the Gypsies, and you had other people. Oh, you, sure, you, yeah, you had Catholics. Good Catholics. And then all of a sudden you had Lutherans, and I think it was a Lutheran pastor that said, I didn't say anything now because it didn't affect me and now it right. didn't affect me. Niemala was
3: his name. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Niemla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Yeah, but but again, the, the asking, you know, who's next, I mean the, uh, that's I finally decided on the title of the book that I'm I've got forthcoming. It's about half written now. The title is gonna be one step away because i'm afraid that's how close we are when you have federal government officials from the white house through the department of justice saying things like white supremacy is one of the greatest national security threats we have stop people just stop and think where does that lead where does it lead uh to me, it goes right back to Germany, right back to the Soviet Union. They had, they had the class that stunning, the kulaks, the, the, the rich peasants, same thing. Mao with the landowners. Uh, Fidel with the, the, the ones who had supported Batista. The, One
2: after another after another. The Hutus and the Tutsis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the list is endless.
3: But as you said, before we leave, though, I do want to mention these books so that people can find these if they're interested in it. One of them is called Climate Change, the Facts... And it's published by the Institute of Public Affairs. Again, it's edited by Alva, uh, Alan Moran, a scientist. And it's got articles from published scientific sources. One of my favorite guys of all time is called, I wish he change his name, but it's Joe Bastardi. And it's called The Climate Chronicles. And the latest one that we found was called Hot. Talk Cold Science by S. Fred Singer, S-I-N-G-E-R. These books, by the way, uh, if we can get enough people armed with scientific facts, because the first thing you have to do with the younger people today, you better be able to talk about factual things because they're not interested in theory. They're just not.